want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! around we don't waste time over here at his hard line let's go Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. Greetings and good day to all you ladies and gentlemen out there. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at our side because he is the host with the most and the most high. He is in charge. He is in the captain's chair. He's at the helm behind the wheel. Therefore, he is steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters that we call life. So welcome to his heart line. Today is Saturday, December 2nd, 2023, and you are listening to episode 643. We'll be doing a reading out of Matthew chapter 1. We'll be reading out of the Gospels now. I was going to do James, but I just realized we did a reading through the whole book of James, so we're going to go with Matthew. And today's second half of the show is called The Dark Narcissist. Now, for your daily disclaimer, please be advised that I am not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, 
biblical scholar, bar lawyer, and I do not possess any titles of nobility or offer legal advice. And while I am a member of the Michigan General General Assembly in good lawful standing, I am not the official face or voice of the National State or County Assembly. I do not endorse or advocate for violence. And please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own and for educational purposes, unless otherwise referenced. So there you go. So thank you for joining us in today's broadcast. Like I always say, if you find extreme value in what we offer here and take away solid information as well as positive messages from this platform, I would recommend you hit that subscribe button and share the show with your friends, family, and colleagues. Because our mission here is to spread God's word, encourage people to invite Jesus to be in their heart while addressing significant topics related to family, true American history, and how to restore our republic of this great nation through the reassembly of states and counties. I also want to encourage you to engage with us by leaving comments, subscribe to our social media like YouTube and other platforms and share our content. And you can find all these resources at our website at hisheartline.com. And for those of you who wish to support the show, there is a gifts and go campaign set up on the website if you wish. And there is also a place to submit prayers as well, but either way you do, you know, whatever way you decide, uh, doesn't really matter to me. I'm just happy to have you here. My biggest request, though, that I value the most is the prayers and the shares. I much rather have the prayers and you share this show because at the end of the day, God's got my basic needs met and that of my family already taken care of. So either way, it's all good. So let's get into the show. So I got to tell you, it's uh, it is pretty insane how crazy people can be. Um, I saw this video the other day. And it just made me, I guess, in a way, scratch my head, even though I didn't really scratch my head, but it's one of those scratch your head kind of moments. And you just think, what is wrong with people and their thought process? This, this video that I'm going to play an audio of, it just shows a video of a cat laying on a car and the guy who owns the cat is yelling at the guy which I assume is his neighbor who has the car that the cat is laying on. Listen to this exchange. Now there's a lot of videos out there that people do to try to, you know, get likes and follows and stuff like that. And to try to be a, you know, a five minute, you know, one hit wonder, but this seems not staged. And this guy that is yelling at his neighbor seems absolutely Nutty. Listen to this. I just want to be clear. You're upset because we made friends with your cat. You're unreasonable people. You're holding our cat. Go in your yard and say, Mercury, go home. Don't come in our yard anymore. She they will want not listen. To- She's a cat. She doesn't speak English. It's a cat, dude. Really? Okay. All right. Well, we'll have the police department figure it out. Absolutely. Great okay. idea. Right, cat pervert. <laughs> I have done I've done nothing to bring the cat I've done nothing to bring the I just want to be clear like like this is this is how people are like these people like that guy screaming cat pervert like it's scary to think that that guy votes honestly it's scary to think that that guy even has a driver's license to motor up and down the public roadways that guy sounds mentally unhinged. Mentally unhinged. I mean, it just, I, I don't even, I don't even know what, where to go with that. I wouldn't even know what to do in that situation, to be quite honest with you. And I generally can come back at a lot of situations, very quick witted, but this guy just sounds like an absolute moron. Um, now here's another video kind of getting on that comical, uh, topic here, you know, kind of starting off on a comical note, because again, I always like to try to find something that gives me a good laugh. Um, here's another audio. This is, uh, from that podcast. So I figured out what the name of that podcast of those two guys out of Dallas, uh, it's called, you should know podcast. It's very, it's very interesting. Um, I found them, I subscribed to them. Um, uh, some of their stuff is funny. And then there's other stuff they talk about that. You just kind of like, look at, look at them like, what? what are you talking about? You know, like what, what are you exactly are you guys trying to get at with your conversations? Like a lot of what they do, I understand what they're trying to do. And they just, they, 
their laughter and the way they conduct themselves is very infectious. It really is because they are, um, you know, they try to get people to laugh. You know, that's what they try to do. They're just trying to get people to laugh through their stories. So anyways, this guy on the You Should Know podcast, he actually says something pretty interesting that I've always thought about that I was never a big fan of. He, it's called New Age Tipping. And you might actually be very, uh, you might be on board with his sentiments. Listen to this. I hate New age tipping. Oh, tipping is it, it is borderline bullying now. It is so forced. It's so forced and aggressive. The other day, we were at the mall. I go and I order a plate. Fried rice, double orange chicken, just how I like it. One fortune cookie, one cup of water. Go to the. I go to the register. Don't make fun of my order. <laughs> I swear to God. I get up there. She goes, is, will this be it? Of course it is. Yeah, That's, I'm, I'm done. Just eating for That's one. That's what I'm going to eat. That's me. All me. Your total is 918, whatever the hell it was. Whatever. That's cheap meal. I want you to watch me count these. Would you like to round up? I said, well, no. I said, That's my money. <laughs> if it's priced at 918, I'd like to pay 918. Would you like to donate to the St. Jude's Children Foundation? That one I ponder on. Children, but do you really? But I'm not going to do it. I have no proof my money's going to a kid that needs yeah, No, you don't pay. know what Pan is doing with that money. I swear to God, there was a third. No, on. they did not. I swear to God. Was it a local scammer behind the register? What are you doing? She then goes, do you want to donate to the Panda Express donation charity they're doing? So I look at her and I very politely, well, to me it was politely, y'all would have been like, you're an No, Cam's an asshole to all service people. At this point, I'm just staring at the card, waiting to just tap. And I look up and I go, no, I wouldn't. I go back down to tap the card. No, you don't. And then, then after three, three solicited donations, there's an option to tip. And I said, I'm going to blow up this Panda Express. I, do you want a $100 bill for my uh, my chicken? I <laughs> I feel this guy's pain because this is the kind of crap that bothers me. The other day, my wife and I and the kid went to uh, this place in Grand Haven called Core, the I think it's called Core Life Eatery. And it's basically just all whole food. Um, you know, you, you walk through kind of like a same situation, like a subway, but it's all whole food, right? You could do like a, um, a bowl, a build your own bowl, right? Or a wrap, or you can do a quesadilla or whatever, right? Um, or a salad, right? I always usually do like a rice and like protein bowl, right? It's really, really good. But when you get down to the end and you get ready to pay, there is a section there, obviously it says, what tip amount do you want to leave? And it says 20 or 18%, 20% or 22% or custom tip or no tip. I'm like thinking to myself, I'm not leaving a tip. This is something that has always, this is a service that has always existed. And there has never, ever been a tip. Nobody's bringing the food to me. Nobody's bringing it car side to go. Look, I could say, if I had somebody bringing it to me outside in the cold because it's Michigan, okay, I'll leave a tip. All right, no problem. But I'm not leaving a tip going through the drive-thru. I'm not leaving a tip walking my happy butt in there only to take my own order to my table. What am I tipping for? That you're doing your job? No, I am not tipping you for a on-the-go virtually healthy fast food restaurant if, if you really want to boil it down i mean it's like leaving a tip at mcdonald's i mean really it really is like leaving a tip at mcdonald's it's ridiculous so i resonate with this guy and his frustration with new age tipping because it is almost like a form of bullying no no questions asked here's the last one i want to play now this one i think everybody will resonate with especially with the you know the the rising cost of inflation especially with groceries um, my wife sent this to me and it says, this is how I feel at the grocery store at the check or wait, how I feel at the grocery checkout line with stupid inflation. This is, this is, this is how exactly I feel. Listen to this. Wait. Find everything you need today. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah. Oh God. 
you know. Everything okay, ma'am? Uh, it's just that you've only scanned a few items and it's already 60 bucks. I'm so scared. Okay, I'm a trained professional, ma'am. I've scanned a lot of groceries. I need you to stay with me. It's just that my in-laws are in town and they want a charcuterie board. This isn't going to be easy, so I need you to be brave, all right? What's your name? Patricia. Patricia, all right. I need you to take a deep breath. We're about to do the cheese. <sighs> oh, my God. The numbers are going up so fast. Why do we have to be on Balderson's house? Don't look up there. It only makes it worse. Keep your eyes on me, okay? <sighs> Can't you just scan something less expensive? I can, but let's not forget. It's the little things that add up, all right? Now brace yourself. I'm about to do the mixed nuts. Oh, my God. I'm going to pass out. Okay, bite down on this, Patricia. Get ready. I'm going to do the cured meats. Oh, no, stop. I can't do this anymore. It's too late. There's a line behind you, okay? You're locked in. I'm not strong enough. I know it looks like a lot right now, but I promise you, you're going to get home and you're going to wonder, what did I even buy? <laughs> I tell you what, when my wife sent that to me, that is exactly how I sometimes feel when we're at the grocery store. Now, this last grocery visit, not so much. We actually did pretty good. We stayed, uh, you know, right around what we typically used to, you know, spend uh, back in the day. And like I said, but now for us, I will say. It's a little bit self-inflicted for us because we try to buy, um, I shouldn't even say try. We go out of our way to buy organic and clean products and, you know, pretty much real food. And so when you buy real food and things that aren't processed and things that are organic, it's going to have a little bit of a higher dollar amount, sadly to say, and it freaking hurts. Let me tell you, does it hurt? It absolutely sucks. So I resonate with this video because every time we go to the grocery store, my wife knows I want to stand at that checkout screen and I watch every single item that goes through. And if there's an item that we typically don't get, I take a picture of the item and its price just in case there is a discrepancy in the computer system. I have it in my phone. And you know what? Strangely enough, that actually ended up working out to my benefit a few weeks ago because there were some tomatoes in the organic section. They were cherry tomatoes. And it showed $2.98. I'm like, wow. I'm like, that's a pretty good price for these. So, but I'm like, I have a funny feeling these may have been priced wrong. And I know I looked at every single product in that area and I looked at every single price for that product, even looked up the UPC code and all that other stuff. And that $2.98 was legit, but I took a picture of it anyway. I grabbed two of those tomatoes because I was like, this is too good to be true because normally they're $4.98. And wouldn't you know, we get to the checkout line and it rings up $4.98. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, hold on. I'm like, and I took a picture of the whole section so you could zoom in and see that I wasn't trying to pull a fast one. And I showed the girl. I said, look. I said, I even double, triple verified the, even the UPC codes and everything like that. And I said, this is how it was priced. And she goes, oh, okay. And she changed it. Look, I know what the normal price of those are. And I'd be happy to pay it any day of the week. But when I see a sticker price that shows $2.98, you bet your bottom dollar, I'm going to make sure I get that $2.98 because don't put it out there for the public to see and not have it be in the computer. I'm sorry, but that's how that goes. That's how that goes. So anyways, I thought that was just absolutely epic when I saw that. Okay, so onward and forward to other things here. So I want to remind all of you, ladies and gentlemen, that are very familiar, especially if you are in the you know National Assembly world, of the delinquent reprobates that have acted very treason treasonous against the lawful governing body of we the people and that would be we the people in general general assemblies across this country especially in the michigan general general assembly remember who they are okay i want you to remember who they are and who they tried to get you to believe they were because these tyrannical narcissists believing in their absolute control often fail to see the immense power in the genuine unity 
in serving a higher purpose, which typically is for the greater good of mankind. And despite that, you know, despite their destructive and petulant and childlike nature and ignorance of God's love and power, these people, these types of people relentlessly pursue their desires, resorting to destruction until they are stopped. It's like George Bush Sr. once said, if we can't control it, we will destroy it. Now, you see, there are these very useful tools on the internet that are platforms like YouTube and Rumble, where people can learn and self-educate themselves on various topics, right? I use it all the time, especially when it comes to fixing things, right? Do-it-yourself home projects. But you can also learn things like, you know, how to identify toxic narcissistic behaviors, right? Now, I will say this. True transformation anchored in faith and free will, it stands as proof of the possibility of change. And I can personally attest to this firsthand, having experienced a personal transformation myself, right? Because I used to be entrenched as a narcissist. I mean, truth be told, you've heard me talk about this before, and I'm very open about it. I was not a very nice guy back in the day, and I never really realized that I had narcissistic tendencies. I really didn't. But thank God for a wonderful, prayerful, faithful wife who prayed fervently to God for my redemption. I mean, thank God for a wonderful wife. But see, there's still a key phrase here that can't be overlooked, and that is free will. See, even though she prayed for me, right, I still needed to use my free will to want to change myself to be a better husband, to be a better a father, to be a better, just genuine better man for those around me. I mean, somebody really has to genuinely want to improve themselves internally for the ones that they love because of how much they are valued, right? If you value the people around you, I mean, truly value. It really takes some deep introspection and self-reflection to be able to recognize and want that. And look, with God, all things are possible. And God certainly transformed me crazy enough because I didn't think it was possible because I know a lot of narcissistic people. And I just think to myself, there's no way these people are redeemable. But then I think to myself, but Jason, you were one of these people. And then that comes in, then comes in grace, right? But you see, the thing is with these individuals that are trying to destroy the assembly, they are very consumed by self-interest. They remain blind to the havoc that they wreak on others. And quite honestly, they just simply don't care who they hurt in the process as long as they get what they want. I mean, that's the bottom line truth. They infiltrate circles. They aim to destabilize institutions like our reassembly of states. They erode the foundations of freedom and sovereignty. And this is the very thing that happens to be the biggest threat but also the easiest to neutralize because once everybody on the right side of the fight working on God's behalf recognizes this evil, it will be just as simple as taking out the trash at the end of the driveway. But see, people have to understand what they're fighting against. They have to understand what the tactics are they use because their tactics being seduction, false patriotism, manipulation, all these things aim to explode and you know exploit and divide trusting men and women, trusting souls. And so by recognizing these methods as multidimensional warfare, meaning mental, get the spiritual warfare, obviously the physical warfare, and in some cases, there's a you know an emotional warfare to some degree as well. That's crucial to understand. And so the true patriot men and women need to rise. You need to rise and be armed with knowledge and wisdom so that you can resist these assaults to be able to fight for those who do not know how to fight the proper way. This is what we are called to do.
So ultimately, you know, here's the thing. Ultimately, justice will prevail against these, you know, those that are betraying our nation. Justice will, you know, will prevail. And it is our collective duty to safeguard our liberties, uphold God's values, and unite for the common good. It's about resilience, fortitude, and an unwavering commitment to our defining principles. See, this is what it means to be firm, steadfast, and uncompromising, as I always say on this show. And these treasonous narcissistic, narcissistic criminals have crossed that line for the last time. And it is up to people like you and I to make sure that line never gets crossed again. So what exactly are you willing to do about it for those of you that are not in your local county and state assembly? What exactly are you willing to do? Are you going to get involved? See, together... We need to stand firm against these adversaries. We need to stop and put an end to their corruption once and for all of their betrayal and begin to press forward in a righteous path toward a liberated and prosperous future where our labor and worship of God will glorify and gratify the, well, the one true heavenly father. That's the God of creation as he truly deserves. And these actions will guarantee that they're delinquent, you know, that these delinquents are held accountable for their treasonous acts against the lawful government of the United States of America and our nation's aspirations for freedom and peace. Mark my words, that is going to come. And I would highly start paying attention to the national-assembly.net website because more there is going to be formal responses. There is going to be formal responses and it is going to be out in the public purview and it's going to be published. So people need to be aware, be aware and pay attention because if you are on the wrong side of the fight and you are aligned with the wrong people, I urge you step away while you can, because it will not end up pretty for you. You do not want to be guilty by association. I'm telling you. And I pray that God gives you discernment if you are a innocent bystander who truly loves this country, but yet you're getting duped by these narcissistic demons. Watch your six, as they say, because I can't do it for you and neither can anybody else. You need to understand who you are around. Who, what kind of company are you keeping? Because I've been duped and I've been tricked by people that I thought I could trust in my own damn county. Be very careful because these people are very double-tongued. They're very slick. Now let's get into the reading of Matthew chapter 1. Now, this might be a little... <laughs> I never cared for the, for the reading of Ch Matthew chapter 1 because it goes into this long genealogy of Jesus. And not that it's not important. It's just reading it can be a little, ugh, you know, a little exhausting, but we're going to get into it because it is part of the gospel. So starting with verse one, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Ammon. Now, I'm going to pause here for a second. If I butcher some of these names, my apologies. Continuing, Ram, the father of Ammonadab, and Ammonadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Sam, Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, Odeb, wait, Obed, yes, whose mother was Ruth and Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of the king David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been uh, Ura's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, Abijah, the father of Asa, or Asa, Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. And Jehoram, the father of Uziah, Uziah, the father of Jatham, and Jatham, the father of Ahaz, Ahaz, the father of Ezekiah, and Ezekiah, the father of Manasseh, Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, 
and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile of Babylon. Now, after the exile of Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, uh, Shatil, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abahub, and Abahud, the father of Elikim, and Elikim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zodak, Zadak, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Eliod, Eliod, the father of Elezer, Elezer, the father of Methan, and Methan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus were, excuse me, thus there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Now we get into the part where Joseph accepts Jesus as his son. Now, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And that is a reading of Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. Now, as you can imagine, I'm sure listening to the genealogy from verses 1 through 16 was pretty grueling. Let me tell you, it was pretty hard to read, to be honest with you, because a lot of those names I probably pronounced and butchered incorrectly. But it's a very important chapter because as we look at the genealogy that led to Jesus, we see a line of people, obviously. And each of these individuals have their unique stories. Some are marked by triumph while others are tarnished by mistakes. But through this diverse lineage, God seems to weave a very beautiful and perfect tapestry. Um, a lineage leading obviously to Jesus, the Messiah. And it, it honestly, to me, it speaks great volumes about God's ability to work through imperfect people and circumstances to, you know, fulfill his promises. Now, when you look at Joseph's narrative, we witness a man of integrity, and he's faced with a situation that challenges his faith and honor. You see, his initial reaction, and I don't blame him because it'd probably be my initial reaction, even though it was lawful what he was going to do, his initial reaction is compassionate because he chooses to handle Mary's unexpected pregnancy with grace, aiming to protect her from public disgrace. That's a gentleman right there. That, uh, that right there is a stand-up man. It tells you a lot about the character of Joseph. And because in their culture, in their cultural context, I should say, an unwed mother could face severe consequences, including public shame or even stoning as punishment for adultery. And no matter what the truth actually was at that time, the community then would more than likely view Mary as an adulterer, no matter what the truth was. And despite being within his rights to publicize Mary's situation, Joseph's compassionate or compassion overrides his legal options. And so he chooses not to shame her publicly. But instead, he decides to display a little bit of mercy and understanding. 
in his act reflects the kind of character that he has. Joseph is a man that seems to be guided by love and integrity, right? Seeking to protect Mary from harsh judgment and, you know, possibly potential harm. And it also highlights his commitment to the principles of mercy and justice, even in the face of personal difficulty. But it's in his quiet contemplation that an angel's message redirects his understanding. And at that point, Joseph's openness to God's guidance models for us the virtue of listening, very important, even in the middle of confusion and being receptive to God's unexpected path. Now, the miraculous conception of Jesus by the Holy Spirit serves as a powerful reminder of God's intervention in our lives. Now, Mary's obedience, Joseph's trust, and God's promise of salvation captures the essence of our faith, and then the birth of Jesus, who embodies God's presence among us, Emmanuel. So the lesson here is twofold. So the first lesson is the testament to God's relentless faithfulness despite man's shortcomings. And then the second one calls us to emulate Joseph's willingness to set aside our preconceived notions to you know to listen and respond to God's call even when it challenges our understanding. So, you know, after reading Matthew chapter one, I would say, let's take a moment later on before we, you know, fall asleep. When we let our head hit that pillow, we really should reflect on that immense significance of God's redeeming plan. A plan that is beautifully weaved together even with our imperfect past, right? And he does so with his boundless grace. He has no bounds on his grace. And we need to find that inspiration in Joseph's story and the unwavering assurance of Emmanuel, God among us, encouraging us to have faith in God's design, even when it feels beyond our understanding. Look, ladies and gentlemen, Look, I know it can be very hard to accept a set of circumstances that seems to be, you know, very upsetting and it's burdensome and beyond comprehension. You know, we don't understand why a certain situation unfolded the way it did. But as long as you truly, and I mean this wholeheartedly, ladies and gentlemen, as long as you truly trust in God's plan and you hand over your life and your future in his hands, you will be taken care of beyond measure. But the trick is you have to surrender, truly surrender your life to God's will, and he will not disappoint you, I promise you. I can't tell you how many difficult situations I have found myself in. I have found my family in. Situations that just make you think, oh my gosh, how am I going to get out of this? Or how am I going to handle that? But then somehow it ends up working out. You don't understand the workings in the background, but somehow it ends up working out and the outcome ends up being better than you actually expected. Now, sometimes something bad might occur, but sometimes that bad ends up turning into something greater on the other side. You just can't see it yet. Just trust in God and surrender your life to his will, and he will not disappoint you. I promise you. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break for about a minute, take a sip of water. And then I have an audio piece I'm going to play. It's about eight minutes long by Chris Reese, who is a, um, she is a psychologist and knows a thing or two about a narcissist. 
And so we're going to play that. This little sec segment I'm going to play, it's called Seven Demonic Doors Opened in Your Life Through Narcissist, which is why I called it the Dark Narcissist. So we will be right back. Give me about a minute. I'm going to get some water and we will continue on the other side. So the dark narcissist. Now, the reason I like to play these clips is because it is very important. I think it's very important to know what you're up against. And what better, what better way to learn than from the people who study these kinds of people and who have dealt with these kinds of people firsthand than the people that I find on YouTube to, that's why I like to find these, these people, these, these professionals that are, um, very well versed with these types of, uh, personality types, if you will. So that's why I wanted to play this. Now this is about, eh, I want to say, let me see here. It's about eight minutes long. Okay. And we'll probably pause off and on, but again, give this a listen to, because we need to learn more about what these people are, how they operate, what they do. So let's give this a listen to. Again, this is by Chris Reese, K-R-I-S, Reese, R-E-E-C-E. -E. You can find her on YouTube. It's tempting to blame the narcissist. After all, they are the Trojan horse. But the problem is, is that 1 Peter 5.8 reminds us that we are to be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So today, I want to talk to you about the seven demonic doors that can be opened in your life through this narcissistic relationship and how to slam it shut in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, hey, my friend, welcome back to another edition of the Building Faith Podcast, which is my hope to bring you biblical solutions to life's tough challenges. So if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe and notification button. Door number one is suspicion. When someone that you should be able to count on, trust in, rely upon, betrays you, man, that hits to the core. It leads you to think, well, if I can't trust my parent or my partner, who can I trust? and you begin to view others through the lens of suspicion. Look, I get it, you're tainted, but I wanna encourage you not to allow the enemy to use a spirit of suspicion to destroy the possibility of any healthy future relationships. And this doesn't mean that you override your God-given discernment and just trust everyone. That would be foolish, but rather allow God to show you who you can and can't trust by leaning on him and waiting to see what fruit they produce. Number two is confusion. If there is one certain quality that narcissists develop within their victims, that's confusion. Your desire to resolve conflict and grow in relationship is met instead with an onslaught of underhanding accusations and backhanded belittlements. It's enough to leave you bewildered, wondering how they're just not understanding what you're saying. Well, it's not that they don't understand, it's that they don't care. And that's confusing because you're confusing some of their fake self-serving interactions with genuine interest in the relationship. 
My friend, God is not the author of confusion. Believe his promises and respond promptly to his commands and confusion will loosen its grip on you. And I love what she says there. God is not a God of creation or excuse me, confusion. God is not a God of confusion. And, you know, these people, that's what they try to operate on. They try to operate on confusion. They try to get you, they gaslight you and they do whatever they can. And all the tactics, I mean, if you read the rules for radicals by Saul Alinsky, it's very clear that the rules for radicals are very heavily aligned with that of the characteristics of a true narcissist. Um, it's very destructive. It's very um, self-serving for them, of course. And yes, one of the biggest things that they operate on is confusion. Continuing. Number three is an identity crisis. Whether it's listening to their damaging words or just spending all of your focus on meeting their narcissistic needs. So I thought this girl was working out like crazy, but she wasn't. And of course, we got a nice little commercial here because it's YouTube. Narcissistic relationships are a surefire way to live below your potential. And over the years, I've encountered many narcissistic survivors who say, I don't even know who I am. And if you're not grounded in Christ, they can wreak havoc on your self-esteem. So what's the solution? Turn your focus to what God says about you. Despite what the narcissist says, despite whether you believe God's word or not, immerse yourself in scriptures like Psalm 139, 13 through 16 and Ephesians 2, 10 until it begins to drown out all of those narcissistic lies. Don't fool yourself though, my friend, this will be a battle as the enemy will want to pull you back into that old toxic thinking. Keep fighting, my friend. That's right. And number three definitely opens the door to number four. And that's codependency. Codependency is an unhealthy attachment and reliance on others to get your needs met. It's like you can't be okay unless they're okay with you. And in codependent relationships, you rely on each other instead of God. As romantic as that may sound in movies, it is highly destructive in healthy relationships. And Satan is a master at getting you to look to others for your needs and then calling it love. And codependents are classic mood monitors. They pride themselves on feeling others' feelings. My friend, this is not a superpower. This is a demonic distortion to what healthy interdependent relationships should look like. And if you are struggling with codependency, please know that you're not alone. It is such a prevalent problem, even in the body of Christ. And that's why I created my Conquering Codependency Biblically online course. I'll go ahead and include a link in the description below. Number five is trauma bonding. Worse than codependency, trauma bonding is when you as the victim develop a deep sense of affection, empathy, and sympathy for your abuser. And this form of bonding isn't positive. And like codependency, it's the devil's counterfeit for healthy interdependent relationships. Now a trauma bonded person can actually see their abuser's actions as love. And the enemy is hard at work in this dynamic as it plays on our intrinsic need for attachment and validation. But there is hope because if you are in Christ, there is no devil in hell or narcissistic person on earth that is more powerful than our God. That's right. Allow him to break that bond by reforming your attachment to him and to him alone. And you may also benefit from professional help. And we've connected with Faithful Counseling to help you find the right counselor for you. So I'll go ahead and include a link in the description below. If you click that link, you'll not only receive 10% off your first month's counseling, but they're going to pair you with the right counselor for you and your situation. Number six is maladaptive behavior. It begs to reason that if a narcissist has maladaptive behaviors over time, you can learn to respond with equal, albeit different types of poor relationship skills. And if you've chosen to stay with a narcissist and aren't completely submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, my friend, you will develop unhealthy behaviors to cope. But coping and thriving are not the same. 
it's not uncommon for partners or children of narcissistic abusers to develop survival behaviors ranging from substance abuse to victim-like thinking. And you may even find yourself being manipulative and using guilt as a weapon or adopting unhealthy forms of avoidance. Granted, it's impossible to have healthy relationships when one of the two people are toxic, but I want you to be careful not to fall into this trap of exchanging evil for evil. And number seven is narcissism. Yes, if you're not careful, being in a narcissistic relationship for a considerable amount of time can actually make you susceptible to becoming narcissistic yourself. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. This isn't a guarantee, but the devil is sly in this way as he gets you to focus all of your attention on learning about narcissism and staying stuck in self-pitying, a victim mindset. He keeps you stuck in these patterns of focusing on yourself and what the damage is to your life instead of focusing on growing in the Lord. See, now your life becomes all about you. You are either now a covert victim or an overt power taker. Oh, look, they ruined my life or I'm getting my power back. Both of these mindsets leave God out of the equation. My friend, I've only touched on a few so far. What other demonic doors do you see opened in narcissistic relationships? Let me know in the comments below. Want to learn the demonic spirits behind narcissism? Go ahead and watch this episode next. If you are ready to close the door to Satan and open the door to faith, I want to invite you to take our free Am I a People Pleaser quiz. In this quiz, you're going to learn what type of people pleaser you are so we can begin to set you on a path to stop pleasing people and start pleasing God. I'll go ahead and include a link in the description section below. That's right. I like Chris Reese because of the simple fact of um, her incorporating Jesus and God, you know, in her teachings. Um, she, I think, gives a very powerful message. And I love how she approaches it, too, because she doesn't just approach the subject from a typical psychobabble, you know, approach and, and you know, just textbook ways that they teach you in college and how to deal with these kinds of people. No, she takes a biblical path and, well, pretty much tells you, you need to keep your eyes on Christ and involve God in this whole thing. So you're not, you know, in this alone, you know, because again, these types of people that we deal with, especially the reprobates who are trying to destroy the assembly, you know, these people like to try, I mean, if you want to know what signs to look for when spotting a narcissist look for people who try to that they they think they have a sense of self-importance if they appear to have a sense of self-importance that is one you know that is one uh i shouldn't say symptom but that is one uh characteristic they seem to be very preoccupied with power, beauty, uh, success. They appear to be very, very entitled, right? They appear to be very, very entitled. Um, they can only be around people who are important or special, right? Um, they seem to have interpersonally exploitative, uh, you know, they, they, they exploit others for their own gain. In other words, is what I'm trying to say. They, they try to exploit others for their own gain and self-elevation. They're very arrogant. They lack empathy and they have the deepest desire to be admired. I mean, these are just a few traits. But these are the types of people that we have to be aware of and we also need to avoid as we bring people into the assembly because there is no room for people like that. And listen, I'm telling you straight from the horse's mouth, I used to be a very narcissistic person, ladies and gentlemen. I was a DJ for crying out loud in nightclubs for eight and a half years. I loved attention. I only wanted to be around people who could benefit me at one point. 
I was very, uh, what, what do you want to call it? I was very uh, preoccupied with, you know, being driven with success and looking good and having a sense of self-importance of because of what I brought to the table for a lot of these nightclubs and a lot of what my skill set was at that time and the people that I knew. Um, I, I was very arrogant at one point. Um, you know, I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be liked, you know, but again, thank God for a wonderful wife who helped pull my head out of my, you know, what there. Yeah, that and prayed for me. And of course, because I cherished and value my wife very, very much, I wanted to change for her. And so with her prayers, coupled with my free will and desire to want to change, God moved mountains inside of me and turned me into the man that I am today. Because if you would have met the man that you saw in the body of Jason Jones five years ago, you would have not really cared for this guy. Now, sure, in the very beginning, you might be like, oh, wow, like Jason's a very nice guy. Very likable. Right. Very likable. Very nice. Very, very, um, you know, narcissistic people are just they're very. It, it's very effortless for them to be liked and to have people be on their side. And it's very dangerous. To be friends or have a relationship with these types of people because they're very good at gaslighting. They're very good at manipulating and they're very good at making you feel bad about yourself only to, uh, again, to control a certain situation. And you got to be aware of these people, ladies and gentlemen, because these people, they will drain your energy. They will drain your, they will drain your spiritual tank. If you are not careful and you don't you got to ask God for that hedge of protection. You have to ask God for that hedge of protection. I'm telling you, it's a very real situation. That's why I entitled this podcast, the dark narcissist, because you just, you can't be too careful. Can people change? Yes. I'm a walking, talking, breathing, living testament of that only because of the glory of God. But again, those are rare occasions. I just happen to be blessed that, again, I have a wonderful wife <laughs> that stuck by me and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And now here we are. Now we have a marriage like none other. Not, nothing that we ever imagined. And it's wonderful. It really is. Now, I'm not saying we don't have little spouts here and there where we disagree and we, you know, have little arguments, but, you know, they're not World War Four and five and sixes anymore. They're just little, like I said, water gun pistol fights. You get a little wet, but you dry off. Boom. That's it. Little tiff. You're, you're on to being happy and lovey again, right? It happens. You're not going to have a perfect relationship always. Come on. It's not a fairy tale, you know, but it wasn't, it's not like it used to be. And I'm very thankful for that. And I thank God every day for that, every single day. So anyway, I hope you all have a great rest of your weekend. I have to go to bed so I can get up at 2 a.m. because I have some gas I need to haul tomorrow morning. But I hope you all have a great day, great night, and um, I just hope you guys have a wonderful week ahead. And like I said, and, and I'm not forgetting the prayer, but I'm just going to get ahead of myself by saying, don't forget what it says in Matthew 7, chapter, or chapter 7, verse 7. And we're going to get to that in a few days. But it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I just want to say thank you 
yet again for this day. And thank you for all that you have given us. Thank you for the lessons. Thank you for your son. Without him, Lord knows where we would be at today. Father, we ask that you continuously give us um, the discernment that is needed to always be aware of who is trying to um, surround us in our circles. We need to be aware of people who are sheep's, you know, sheep, uh, wolves in sheep clothing, who try to infiltrate in our lives, whether it be physically, spiritually, mentally. We do not need these types of people to drain us of our emotions and our energy. I pray for the success and the growth of our assembly of people, our reassembly of states. I know all good things are coming, and they come because of you and from you. And I cannot wait to see what the future of this country is going to look like when it is in full swing. And more importantly, Father, we just thank you for just every little thing that we often forget the little things like electricity and running water and a furnace that keeps our home warm during the winter. We thank you for these little things that we often take for granted. And we just pray that if there's somebody in need within close proximity of us, give us the nudge, nudge us, push us, go serve and help this person out. Give us that nudge so we can open our eyes and help those around us that you think they need, you know, that you think need help or an assistance. And we pray all of this in your Holy Son's name, Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope you all have a great day, great night, wherever you're at in the world. And we will see you back here next time. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. Forget to check out the website www.hisheartline.com. And if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly, go to www.national 
www.national-assembly.net. That's www.national-assembly.net. It's time to get active, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go. Joining us here at His Heart Line. We'll see you back here next time.